You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome back to the Snippets of Genius podcast. I'm your hostess, Caroline Kay, business and success coach. And today, my genius guest has returned. It's Kate Bradley Chernis telling us that second part of her wild roller coaster ride into the world of MarTech. Before we go there, I'd like you to get to know Kate a little bit better. So I prepared some quick fire round questions for Kate, and here are her answers. So tell us something people often get wrong about you. That I'm strong. Okay. What's one thing you wish you'd done sooner? Quit smoking. Good one. What's the best part of your job? My team. Biggest lesson in running your own business? Listen to your gut. Nice. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? People. Great one. And one piece of leadership advice that you wish you'd known earlier, or it's so awful that you need to warn us? Fire shitty customers. Amazing. I want everyone to write that down. Fire shitty customers. Yes. (laughs) And what is the hard lesson you've learned in your business? That I'm right. God, I really want to unpack that some more. <laughs> to do that in a whole other episode. <laughs> and what's one thing that you're really excited about right now? This this conversation, frankly, I, I'm 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 filling my tank with the joy and energy and fuel of of others and you in this moment, and I need it. That's- the best answer I think I'm ever going to have to that question. Okay. And what is the one music track that lights you up and makes you feel you can take on this? So my husband, of course, I married a a guitar player because that was the job hazard being in the music industry. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) His band, although he's gone on to being clean energy now, he cut his hair and wears chinos, God help us. But, but his band is the damn wells and their song, um, I am a lever is the song that I've used as my entry track for demo days, which has been pretty funny because everybody else has EDM because everybody's younger and it's like this electronic bullshit. Yeah, and I'm the I one with like, like that. I don't, I don't like the techno chick. I love techno, but I, I'm not into EDM. No, it's too fast, too much. It's too so. fast. And like yeah. also the waves, the wave sound go all the way across when you look at the actual digital wave. So there's no room in, for the breath of the music. There's no empty sound. There's no space. So, and that's what I like about this entry to this song is it's drum led and then there's a guitar solo and it's David. It's my David who gets to play me into the room. Now it's time to jump back into where we left off at the end of the last show. And we jump into the conversation where Kate has been approached by her aunt on a very special project. Here's what her aunt had to say. Hey, you know, you're really good at, at marketing, would you like to consult my team and work on a project with a little company called Walmart? Just a little one. Yeah, just, just, just you know, <laughs> no one's ever heard of that. <laughs> so 
So I said, sure. And the reason she did was it was because it was an in- innovative idea and because we're marketing nerds here. And, mm-hmm. and so my aunt thought, well, this is an unusual project. Let's put an unusual person on it. And the first week I just thought, this is such a mess. There's so many people involved. How the hell are we going to move forward without some sense of organization? And so I just made one hell of a spreadsheet, right? Because there were about 20,000 participants, all said and done, small, medium, large, nonprofit, for-profit government. And I wanted to organize what was being produced on the content side. And then, of course, track the numbers then. Now, this is going to surprise you. They didn't track uh, results in real time then. It was after the fact. So then they would use what they found at the end of the project and use it to inform the following year. And I was like, hey, there's a better way. (laughs) You know, this is 2010, 11, I think. MySpace was just kind of fizzing out. And anyways, my spreadsheet system ended up getting the project 130% ROI year over year for three years. Wow. So Steve, the catalyst, here we go again, he saw Mm -hmm. what I didn't see. And he came to my house. He brought in Jason, my other co-founder now, who had created wireframes. And they showed me the possibility of the very beginnings of Lately. It was right there. All right. Yeah. So, uh aha. So that year, Jason and I, on we had an idea in the wireframes. And it took us six months to raise $250,000. And it was mostly friends and family and some angel money. And then we lost it all in a year. We had a CTO who suffered from alcoholism is the easiest way to put it. Oh, and no. so we had nothing to show for it and no money. Oh my goodness. And then so, I How did you bounce back from that? That's got to be the big low. Gosh. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like I didn't know what I didn't know then too, because I was still so naive about all this process. I didn't really know SAS. I mean, we, I had Steve who was like a big brother, you know, kind of guiding us. Mm-hmm. And so I, a lucky thing happened. I got into a pitch contest and out of 200 or so people, I placed fourth, I think. And it was a particular boys club that I do not like now. So it, it was a big win because it was a bunch of assholes and like they didn't, they expected nothing from me or less. And I, and I kicked their asses and it felt really good. Yeah. You know, and then I, I used that air to get us into a really respectable accelerator in New York. And suddenly we had an infusion of cash and a network because that's what accelerators do. They, they expose you. And I had another raggable, I got into this, it was like a 1% acceptance rate. So, you know, that's what you, you're shooting for these, these little wins that you can put, put, we talked about the light in the beginning, right? Like, yeah. so even though we didn't have a product still, and I didn't have another CTO, we, I eventually got one and lost that one to suicidal depression. I oh didn't my die, goodness. but like, it was horrible. Yeah. It was like, we were doomed on the tech side, you know, still no product. We came out of the accelerator everybody told us to raise money from venture and we were way too fucking early for that, but we didn't know. And so we could never possibly check those boxes because it, they were going. Mm-hmm. So, so just FYI people, and you don't play this game, honestly, I would not recommend it to anybody, but if you're playing the venture game, the goalposts for women and minorities always are moving. It's always moving. We, it, 
it t- it's only 2% of all female founders get venture funding. Only 2%. Black f- female founders don't even make it onto the scale, right? Which is crazy. So that's how much harder you have to work. And it's, it's total bullshit. Anyways, so that was the wrong rec- that was the wrong um, advice and it took us another year to finally get a small product going and we f- we raised our f- first 250,000 our second 250,000 dollars and then we got some you know we got some more sales and wind in our sales and yada yada and and you talked about the accelerator there that was a really big oh, yeah. mo- mover for you because you obviously exposed to other entrepreneurs and other investors and just sort of connecting with the right kind of people to help you on your journey but you also mentioned a raggable what was what's that i've never heard of that before oh braggable like braggable what's that yeah like you know bra- you want something to brag about Okay. (laughs) And that's an important thing as a business owner to, to see what should be bragged about. Like there, you might have a bunch of wins, but you have Mm -hmm. to know which ones to use at which time. Right. Mm -hmm. That's basic marketing. Yeah. In, in my world, you're constantly split between raising money and creating a business because you're not here to create a nice business that makes money. You're here to create a business that proves it can scale very quickly to large amounts of money, which is a totally fucked up thing. Like it doesn't, (laughs) you're, they're there to lose money as fast as possible to prove that you can make money as fast as possible. Right. So you can invest (laughs) heavy because this is going to go big. This is going to scale. You're hitting all those numbers, but maybe your investment is so high that you're not making the profits. Is that what you mean? That you're kind of just continually like growing it so rapidly. You're not seeing the upward curve until you hit the really big numbers. Is that what it is? It can be. Yeah, it can be a combination of that because what you're looking for is you're looking first for product market fit. So that means, you know, do you have customers who who essentially wouldn't let you pull away the product with their cold dead hands, right? Okay, yeah. Those early adopters and they're mm-hmm. loving you to pieces. And then the next um, step is, do you have, um, what's it called? I'm just learning these names, even though I knew it before. It's like go-to-market fit, okay? Okay. So then do you have a key indicator that shows you what makes those people love you to death that you know you can scale, You know you can do it 100 million times over, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the next phase. And then once you figure that, that's the phase we're in now. It took us seven years to get to this phase. And we're still in the phase. That doesn't mean we figured it out. (laughs) And then the next phase is called growth and moat where you're like, you know, really, I guess, crossing the chasm, um, so to speak, to that mass adoption. So here we are. We raised our next 250. Then we raised another 750, another 250 or so, and then another 750. So totally, we've raised about $3.23 million from some of both New York and Silicon Valley's top investors. We've got beautiful names on my cap table, but I've got a lot of boxes against me. I'm a woman. I'm in MarTech, which is like a four-letter word because that was sexy 10 years ago and is only coming back a little bit now because of COVID, frankly. And I'm a woman in in AI, so that's a a very harder, even harder thing because I'm unbelievable. I'm not believable. (laughs) But then isn't it the, what do they say, they call it, the component of all the parts? It's not just you, it's your team, right? You've got your male counterparts as well does that not help you in this regard or it can go either way so so if you lean on the guys too much or talk about them too much they're you're seen as a weak leader 
right? Okay. Or right. not enough because they don't think you can do it by yourself. So it's 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 the most fucked up bias thing. Like there, so so startup. So what happens is thank you Shark Tank for fucking this up for everybody. So <laughs> they have scienced it to death so that that venture capitalists also just try to check boxes rather than uncover the human. And I'll give you guys an example. I was on Clubhouse recently. And an angel investor I know put me on stage and we were just talking about whatever. And we I've known him for a while. And I just, you know, gave two sentences about something lately had done. And he goes, see, stop right there. That's your problem. Your pitch needs work. He said this to me. Okay. And I'm like, that wasn't a pitch. You asked me for the update. And he's like, well, da, da, da. And I said, no, 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 no. This is the problem. You guys, first of all, doing a 30-second elevator pitch is the stupidest thing in the world. It's asinine. Yes, you do need to be able to talk about your business you know, in a condensed way, but I've been doing this for seven years and I'm still shit at it, right? But I also have a 98% sales conversion and I grew my business 240% in a global pandemic. So I do know what the fuck I'm doing. And so it would behoove you to take a moment to ask me questions, right? And this is what they don't, and I'm sorry to get upset about this, but it really makes me angry. There is an onus on their side to take the time because it is more art than science. I'm a fucking human. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you want more of the sob story? So so just to wrap it up, <laughs> I try. I'm a, can you tell I was a radio DJ? Like I don't stop talking. So, so here we are. We got to a couple, two and a half years ago. I've got all the things in place to raise my first venture round. I've raised only angel money before this. Yeah. And it's Four days before demo day, a state trooper hits me head on going the wrong way in my lane. No. Tears my rotator cuff. And oh, my God. I need surgery and all the things. Oh, like good nine Lord. months of physical therapy. Yeah. I, I was mean, wearing I one of those. I thought I was the most accident prone person in you? the world. But I think you are. <laughs> You're just smashing me out of the park. And it's not it's not a title I want. I can't believe you poor thing. Caroline, the book is gonna be so good, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, this is gonna to have to be another episode just on how to recover from injuries and keep your business going. It's so crazy. So like I have I have remember the movie Splash? Like I have one of those casts on. It's it's ridiculous. Oh and anyway, God. so so I'm I, demo day is when you try to close all your rounds because you're on stage. I'm the best always on stage. So everybody is excited and there's a fever pitch and social proof, yada, yada. And I have 2 million circled and I'm looking for the lead investor. So the lead investor is the one that puts their money behind you and, and legal and everybody else falls in line because they, they trust this person's opinion essentially. Okay. And I can't find a lead because they're moving the goalposts. I'm doing everything they say and they, they, um, no investors don't like to say no and especially to women they like to invite you in to, to brag brag that they've met with a pretty woman because i uh -huh. fucking am i mean sorry well, right and and they try to and so if they have like three or four meetings with you the third meeting is supposed to be the yes or the no at the most but they like to drag them out so they're wasting your time and you don't know that because you're new at this and you're just excited because you got the fucking meeting you know you yeah, don't know yeah and so this and then all that data came out about, about the two percent and so joanne wilson my amazing board member and investor said to me this is happening to you and I was shocked. Wow. Because you don't you don't imagine it, right? You can't think it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's so asinine. And and so I cried for a little bit and then dropped the burn of the company from hundred K to ten K, stopped paying ninety-five percent of my team. 
dropped all of our paid ads. Um, we could only do, we decided to double down and do lately marketing only. So using lately to market lately. And we got through the summer and I got us into Jason Calacanis's accelerator in Silicon Valley. So he's one of Silicon Valley's most respected and famous uh, investors. That was $100,000 in cash just to save our skins. We, I've been there, people. Like, literally, we couldn't make payroll that month. And we got, and we're like, and Jason didn't pay us for two months later because he hadn't closed his round also. And like, you don't want to ask him for money because it makes you seem weak. But I mean, finally, I had to say to his team, I was like, hey, is that check coming or what? Like, we're fucking dying over here. And that was right before Christmas. So there's all that pressure. So then Ugh. I flew from New York to Silicon Valley every Wednesday to do a live demo in front of 10 new investors. You have to change your pitch. This is full-time pitching, right? Every wow. day. And remember, I can't type on a plane because I use voice activated software. It hears everybody, right? It, I need uh, a private enclosed room. Yeah. So I don't get any work done on a for plane. two days a week. Oh my goodness. I, I got to chit chat with people. Kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> you can read a self help book, you know? You could really. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> I'm find you some good ones. <laughs> Jesus, I know, right? So anyway, so we come out of that. I, I know I have the term sheet. What is a term sheet? Yeah. So a term sheet is basically what dictates the terms of the round. So what everybody's stock is worth, how much is coming in, how much can be raised. There's always a maximum. Okay. And then what these people kind of get in exchange for their give. bet on you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. It's gotcha. the, once you have the term sheet, so, so Silicon Valley and everybody else, it's like high school. <laughs> they do what other people tell them to do, right? It's the popular contest. So once you get the hot chick to write you a term sheet, like everybody's just falling all over, her, you know? Mm. So it's, it's the golden ticket. I got a term sheet. I have $4 million circle. I'm oversubscribed for the round. And I have other term sheets promised. And my meetings start all getting canceled because COVID is coming. Nobody knows what it is yet, but it's happening. And I don't close the round, essentially. Oh, okay. And so, you know, <clears throat> I failed twice, Caroline, right? You say you failed twice, but I don't think it's over. I don't think that meant the end of the journey for you, right? I mean, we, it didn't at that time because somehow I, my team lifted me up again and we released the video clip feature, which we, I can tell people what that is. At that time, Gary V launched a Twitter channel fueled 100% by us. It gets him a 12,000% increased engagement. And so we went into COVID with like all these crazy proof points, no money. I had, I took out a loan for 50,000 bucks. So we're like, again, no, the good news is my whole team has been working from home since the beginning and no one's been paid for already two years. So we're like, same shit, different day. Let's just keep on, do what we do, you know? And so we go through COVID and we're having a great year. It's just crazy. And, and then we come and we're, we should be raising. So I, instead of updating every venture capitalist who I've met for four years to tell them all my good news, I'm so jaded by the yeah. monkey dance, which I am so good at. I'm the fucking best. But it doesn't work. You know, every time it's really exhausting. It takes a huge emotional toll on, on your psyche, you know, because mm -hmm. they want you to perform. They want you to dance, you know. And then it's like the worst. It's like it's dating is the metaphor, which I hate that people use, but it is so apt because it's like, you know, that, that boyfriend who tells you everything except for I love you, you know, <laughs> all the signs are there. 
And so you're just, you're unclear on what the real deal is, you know? Is this with any investor? You're going to them, they're making all the right noises and sounds, but like you say, they're not saying, I love you. They're not like hitting you with the money. They're not saying, all right, okay, it's a deal. They're just sort of stringing you out. Is that brag factor that we talked about? Yeah, like that's been our experience. And it's really, even recently, somebody came to me and was like, I know all your stuff. A woman, woman led VC company who are actually worse than the men because they get judged harder. So they really want to make sure they're making the right decisions. So they're harder on on other women. But they were like, we know your story. We're not going to fuck you over and we're not going to run you through the mud. We want to lead you around and we want to take all of it so that you don't have to raise money from anyone else. And we promise. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't believe you. And they said, let us prove it to you. And that's a wrap, listeners, for this second episode in the trilogy of Kate's Amazing Journey. Come back next week to find out just how those women venture capitalists proved their business case to Kate, showed her that they could trust her, and what happened next. It's going to be worth the wait. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, ask any questions, come on over to Facebook and join the Snippets of Genius group, where we'll be talking about behind the scenes into how you can build a business you love. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.